Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Wonderful. Now, now last week we started out with a sermon, I'll call it a series, because it's number two this morning and God spoke to me this week. But our sermon series, um, I called He Made Mud. But last week we started with a, with a scripture, and, and this series come from a scripture in John, John 9, John 9 verse 10 to 11. And I'm going to read it to you, but I'm just going to read from verse 10 to 11. But just let me give you a quick backdrop. So Jesus was in a synagogue, and he spoke to the people, and he made some settings or statements that the people were furious with him, so they started picking up stones to stone him. And the scripture said in, in John 9, and Jesus walked out under the power of God, and they just backed up. But they were furious with Jesus. And as he walked out, because now he's got an angry mob following him, trying to kill him. So all Jesus tried to do is hide and just get out of there. Because it was not his time. He had to wait till the crucifixion. But as he was walking out, his disciples pointed out, said, Jesus, see that blind man sitting there? Is he blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? And, and the whole story began. So Jesus walked over. And he spit in the ground and he made mud and he smeared it on the guy's eyes. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And the pool was about a 1.2 kilometer walk away. So it wasn't an easy question to ask. So he went away and he got healed. And the man was, I mean, thinking about, you were born blind. So this was a recreative miracle. He didn't have eyes. So Jesus literally recreated his eyes in that moment. And he, I mean, he went berserk. How, I mean, who wouldn't? You were blind, now you see. And he went, were going so berserk that the people started asking him. And that's where we come to verse 10, John 9 verse 10. They said, they ask, who healed you? What happened? Then he told them, he says, this man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went, I washed and now I can see. Powerful scripture, isn't it? Jesus made mud and he gave the man a command to go and wash in a pool. Long walk from him. It wasn't just short walk. It was a long walk from him. And I said last week, it was interesting that he, he sent him to the pool of Siloam, which was over a kilometer away when the pool of Bethesda was just a few meters in the temple courts. Because Jesus wanted him to go and act and to go and get his miracle. Now, this was an act, a, a tough act of obedience. Let, let's be honest on this. This was a tough act on obedience. This blind man, with mud in his eyes, spit dripping from him, had to make his way a kilometer through the streets, the busy streets of Jerusalem, to the Pool of Siloam. But you know what? He did it. And at the end of it, it restored his eyes. He received his miracle. Now, this was a great example for us today, you know, when, when we are waiting for our miracle. See, sometimes our, our miracle is waiting at the pool. It's waiting at the pool of Siloam. We just need to act in faith. We just need to act in faith. That's all that God wanted from this man. He wanted him to act in faith. And as he acted in faith, he received something that he never thought he would receive. Now, if you go to, to James 2, verse 18, you don't have to go there. I'll just read it to you. But James comes and he speaks about faith. And it's incredible if you go and read the whole James 2, or Jacobus 2, and you read that scripture, it, it, 
he tells you about what faith really is. He says, but someone will say, verse 18, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith with your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You see, James is very direct here. He says, don't do stupid stuff. Don't just do something for nothing. But act on your faith. You see, sometimes we just want to act to be religious. But James says, make sure you act on your faith. So what do you have faith for in your life? What do you have faith for right now? Think about it. What is the great challenges, the things in your life that you're trusting God for right now? Do you have faith for it? Because if you act on that faith, there's a miracle waiting on the other side of the pool of Siloam. Now this illustration, and I used this a long time ago, but I, it, I, reminded, I got reminded of the story this week. I want to read it to you again. It's a story about the man called Larry Walters. And on the age of 33, he decided he wanted to see his neighborhood from a different perspective. Ever, any one of you ever wanted to do that? You live in a neighborhood, in a town, but you want to see it in a different perspective. So you climb a mountain or you look from somewhere. But this man, he went down to the local army surplus store one morning and he bought 45 used weather balloons. That afternoon, he strapped himself to a lawn chair to which several of his friends tied, um, tied to the helium-filled balloons. So he took along, what he took along was a six-pack of beer, a peanut butter <laughs> and jelly sandwich, and a BB gun, figuring out he could shoot the balloons one by one if he wanted to come down and he's ready to land. So Walters, who assumed the balloons would lift him about 100 feet in the air, was caught off guard when the chair soared to more than 11,000 feet into the sky, smack, smack bang into the middle of the air traffic pattern of Los Angeles International Airport. <laughs> Too frightened to shoot any of the balloons, he stayed airborne for more than two hours, forcing the airport to shut down its runways for, for much of the afternoon, causing long delays in flights from across the country. Now, soon after, he was safely grounded and, and, and caught by the police, and reporters came to him and they asked him three questions. The first question was, were you scared? And he said, yes, of course. He said, will you do it again? He said, absolutely not. And the one reporter said, but why did you do it? And he said, well, you can't just sit there. That was his answer. <laughs> you can't just sit there in life. You have to do something. Uh, doing that is probably the worst thing to do. But looking at the story, I realized as I was thinking about Jesus and this blind man, I think the greatest part of this miracle of this man who got healed was, yes, he got healed. It was amazing. But the greatest part for me about this miracle is this man went and he acted on the words of Jesus. He acted on the words of Jesus. See, when this blind man at the gate acted, it set in motion a miracle that was already stored up for him. Do you know that God has stored up miracles for each and every one of us? Think about it. What are you trusting God for in your life? He has, he has stored up miracles for you in your life. We just need to act on our faith. We just need to act on our faith. Now let's look at the scripture again. Luke, John 9, verse 10 and 11, which I read just before. And I want to show you something different in that scripture. So they ask, who healed you for the blind man? What happened to you? 
The man, called, uh, the man they called Jesus made mud and appeared and spread it over my eyes and he told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. But then he said, and I love this, he said, so I went, I washed, and now I can see. Three very distinct things. I went, I washed, and now I can see. And that stuff gripped my heart. I read that and I realized, but that was three very distinct things. So let's look at that very quickly. He went. He went. He went on faith that was activated. His faith was activated, like we spoke about last week. And when his faith was activated, he acted on that faith. You see, remember when Jesus spit in the mud? For us it was gross, but for that days, for medical reasons, they used saliva to, to put on people's blind eyes and they believed it will open blind eyes. So when he heard someone spit behind him or in front of him, he realized, ah, maybe today is my day that I can be healed. You see, something activated his faith, but he didn't just stand there and wait it. He acted on it. See, this man just didn't just act on nothing. Because nothing will end in nothing. He acted on the words of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, his words, Jesus, I don't know about you, but I want to act on Jesus' words. When I read something in the Bible and I see a promise of God or something that Jesus I want to act upon that because I know there's power in acting on the words of Jesus. You see, Jesus and God's words is life. And his words are still active and live and more powerful today, even as the day he spoke it. Do you believe that? Come on, we need to believe that. See, the word of God and the words of Jesus is powerful. And, and it is his promises. And if we act on that promises, we run into a miracle in our lives. Come on, all of us sitting here, we're trusting God for something in our lives. We are. And if you're not trusting God for something, why not trust God for something? And if you want to trust God for something, you need your faith activated so you can act in your faith like, just like this man. There's a well-known quote that they're still wondering and figuring out who actually said this quote. But the quote says, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men or women to do nothing. Nothing. You see, if we do nothing, the kingdom will not advance. Because God wanted us to advance the kingdom. He said to the disciples in Matthew 28, Go and make disciples of all nations. Teach them to do the same as I've taught you. Jesus said, Go. Act upon what you know. I mean, you can't just sit there and wait. Come on. We need to act upon. That's what, exactly what this man did. He went. This is a man we didn't know if he believed. Jesus just activated something in his faith to know that if this man spit in the mud and smeared mud on my face, well, we, we came this far, I might as well just go and wash my face. I needed to anyway go and wash my face. But as he went there, I think God activated his faith and the faith grew and as he washed his eyes, something happened. So then the man came to the water. Second thing, he washed. He washed. What did, why did he wash? He washed on the words of Jesus. You see, this man acted and washed the mud of his face. There's so much significance in this. There's so much significant significance in washing. Do you know that? Come on. Uh, just, just don't take a shower for a week. 
then you then you realize how much significance there is in washing. Come on. Am I talking to someone here today? You see, in the Bible, in the biblical times, washing was a big deal. It was. It was not just cleansing physically, cleansing yourself physical. There was a spiritual cleansing as well that they understand. That's why they wash their hands and sometimes wash their feet. There was something spiritual that they connected. And it was lawful, yes. But they understood it as spiritual and physical. Now, I'm not sure who knows this, but talking about spit, <laughs> because Jesus spit in the ground. But did you know that in biblical times when you were spit upon, it wasn't a cool thing. It wasn't a cool thing to be spit upon. See, some, someone will spit upon another person for two or three reasons. First, time, first, it's a sign of disgrace. You are a disgrace. Second one is, I hate you. Get away from me. And that's why they usually spit on beggars. They were sitting and begging on the road. But, but they also, it wasn't a loving gesture, just to make a point of it. But the law said this. If you were spit upon in the Bible... You needed to wash yourself. But not just wash yourself, you have to wash your clothing. And then if you wash your clothing and yourself, okay, where am I now? And you wash yourself, you will be seen unclean for the rest of the day. That means you are not allowed to mix with people. So, I mean, that, that's, quite a harsh, that's quite a harsh thing. So if you don't want to see someone that day, just spit on them. Because then they are excluded for the day. Come on. I mean, that, that's how ridiculous it was. If you spitting on someone, that spit made you unclean for a day, but you have to go and wash, wash your clothes. It's a whole ritual that you have to go through because of the law. Now this man sitting at that temple gate was probably used to be spit upon. Because he was a beggar. He was used to be spit upon on a daily basis. Get away from me. Don't bother me. I don't have money for you. I can't do this. He was used to be spit up because he was a beggar. But this time there was no disgrace. This time there was no hate. There was no unclean moment waiting for him at the pool of Siloam. Do you know what was waiting for him? A miracle. You see, sometimes we feel disgraced in our lives because of failures and stuff in our lives. And you feel that life has been spitting on you. But Jesus said, at the pool of Siloam, there's waiting a miracle and gives you identity and tell you who you are. The same happened when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And there was a moment before he got crucified, he had a moment that he washed the disciples' feet. And this was a sign of cleansing their feet, yes, but there was a significance in the Spirit. The significance in the Spirit was said, I'm washing you prophetically from sin. I'm washing you from disgrace. I'm washing you from failure in your life. And if you would know what will be happening in the next two days, this will be very significant to you. You see, Jesus saw this as a significant moment in their lives. You know what Peter's response was? John 13, verse 5 and 5 to 10. So Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, and, and we pick it up from verse 5. It says, then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, you are going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what, I'm, what I am doing, but someday, someday you will. 
No, Peter protested. You will never ever wash my feet. But Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. So Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. <laughs> it's just typical Peter. So Jesus replied, he said, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean. A very powerful piece in the Bible. You see, maybe some of us are standing with mud on our faces. Come on, you're standing with mud on your face because of your family history. Or maybe offense that you have caused someone. Maybe you're standing with mud on your face because of sickness you're fighting in your life. And you're trusting God for a miracle. See, but we just need to let Jesus wash us. That's all we need. We need Him to wash us so that the disgrace, the failure, the guilt, you see, all those things that the world placed before us can be cleansed. That's what we need. We need to be washed by Jesus. Now think about this. Would you give your life as a sacrifice to people who don't fully appreciate it? Absolutely not. I don't want to give my life to someone who don't appreciate it. But see, Jesus did. He did. Now, no one, I actually believe, no one really fully appreciate or truly understand what Jesus has done for, for mankind. But that didn't stop him to give a full measure of what he gave. So many times in our lives, I think we still don't understand what Jesus did for us. And he knew it. But you know what? He still sacrificed everything for us. So no matter if you're standing with mud in your face, if you are blind eyes or challenges in your life or failure or guilt or stuff or sin in your life, Jesus has still paid the penalty. He still gave everything so that we can have everything. Then after the man was washed at the pool of Siloam, Number one, he went. Number two, he washed. Then number three, we all know the end of it. He saw. There was a miracle. Now this was not just an amazing miracle, not just an amazing, one of the amazing miracles that Jesus did, but I believe that Jesus prophetically showed us something. He showed us that our eyes, our, our spiritual eyes need to be opened. It needs to. Now if you look at the story where Jesus spit in the mud and he did a miracle, do you know what? This is one of three miracles where Jesus spat. Three. This was just one of them. Now I want to look at one other one to give you a bit of a different perspective on went, washed, and see. And I want to speak about why our spiritual eyes need to open. And why it's important for us. So Mark 8, and we're going to go to Mark 8, and you can go to your Bible to Mark 8. I'm reading from New Living Translation, the NLT. And we're going, to, we're going to go through that chapter, but I first want to jump to the miracle. So it's in verse 22, if you go to Mark 8. Let me just give you an opportunity to get there. So Mark 8, verse 22 to 26 in the NLT. It says the following, when they arrived at Beth Bethsaida, 
some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they began him, sorry, begged him to touch the man and heal him. So people brought the man to Jesus and they said, please, Jesus, heal this man. Please. So Jesus took the man by the hand and led him to out, out of the village. Quite interesting. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said. I can see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were open. His sight were completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Very important. Jesus sent him away, saying, Do not, don't go back into the village on your way home. Amazing story. So we see three things in the story. Same things. He went, he washed, and he saw. And let me explain that to you. Firstly, and this is amazing, Jesus took this blind man by the hand. He took him by the hand, and he led him outside of the town. That's quite interesting. I mean, why would Jesus do something like that? Most miracles that Jesus did, it just says, be healed, and the man was healed. But Jesus took this man by the hand, and he led him outside of town. And I thought, Jesus, are you scared of people? What is happening? But if you go to the commentaries, and you go to the history, and if you go to Matthew 11, Jesus cursed the town of Bethsaida because this town was filled with unbelief. Jesus did a lot of miracles in this town, but yet the people still didn't believe in God. They still didn't believe in Jesus. So Jesus knew there's so much unbelief in this town, let's just go outside. Because you'll rather do a miracle outside. Your faith will rather be activated outside of this unbelief than right here in the unbelief. So Jesus took him by the hand and he led him outside the city. Isn't this amazing? See, how many of us are struggling with unbelief? How many of us are struggling with sin? Or, or, or maybe you feel so alone in the stuff, you, you, the challenges you face. And you believe that, man, because of my sin and the stuff in my life, God just want to punish me, so I really feel alone. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to read my Bible. I feel too guilty in my life. But Jesus was just making mud. He was just making mud again. Not physically in this, in this instance. See, in our weakest moment in life, sitting in disgrace, sitting in failure, facing failure moments in your life, Jesus will take you by the hand and lead you to the pool to wash. In your most disgraceful moment, in your moments in your life where you feel, man, I feel like a failure, and so many of us have felt like failures in our lives. You know what? Jesus shows us, I will take you by the hand, and I will lead you to the place of your miracle. I will bring you to a place out of that guilt, out of that shame, out of that, 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 um, that sickness that you're facing in your life, and I'm leading you to your miracle. Do you believe that this morning? Come on. God has his heart is for us. His heart is to lead us away from unbelief into a place where he can activate our faith, where he can do a miracle in our lives. See, if you're here this morning and you feel that you just have to fight this alone in your life, then God still needs to open your blind eyes. Amen. He still needs to do that. Because there's something we're missing in this picture. And I'm going to show that to you this morning. So Jesus took the man by his hand. 
He led him outside the town. And guess what he did after that? He went. <laughs> that's what he did. And it's offensive for us today, but that's what he did. But you know what? This time, Jesus didn't make mud. He didn't spit in the ground. Man, he spat right in this guy's face. Boom. Think about it. This wasn't just making mud again. Now he's going straight for the eyes. <laughs> How offensive is that? Come on. I mean, if you said Jesus was never offensive, you need to read your Bible. See, this was much more than Jesus making mud. This was much more than Jesus just spitting into a man's face to do a miracle. Do you know what it is? Jesus was being intentional. He was being super intentional like we know Jesus. This wasn't a prophetic act to show his disciples something. He wanted to show his disciples, but not just his disciples, for us who's reading the word. He wanted us to catch something so that our blind eyes can be opened. That's how important this is. Now, after leading this man outside of town, he washed him. Jesus washed him, but not like washing in the pool. For the natural man, it might have looked like spit. And, and yes, it was. <laughs> he, he spat in his face. But you know what? Spiritually, Jesus washed him with his presence. Think about it like that. He didn't wash him in a pool. The man didn't do it alone. Jesus took him by the hand. He spat in his face. But in spirit, he washed him with his presence. See, this man walked from a place of unbelief, from a place where he was blind. He was probably also a beggar. He was blind. People spat on him all day. Jesus took him out of the unbelief to a place into his presence. Into his presence. Isn't that a place where we all want to be? See, we need God's daily presence in our lives. We need it more than a shower, more than a bath in our lives. We need God's daily presence. You see, every time we step into God's presence, guess what? We are washed. We are washed. We are washed from unbelief. We are washed from sickness that you're struggling with. You are washed from that guilt and that disgrace in your life. We are washed. And Jesus knew this. He had to wash this man with his presence out of a place of unbelief into a place of belief. He wanted to activate his faith. Now listen, again, this man was blind. When someone spit, what happens? It was a custom of medical custom that when someone spit on my eyes, I might be able to see. So there was something happening in his heart as Jesus spat in his face. But for me, it's like, why Jesus? The God of miracles? Why do you have to spit in someone's face? But do you know what's worse than this? When Jesus did the miracle, the man didn't see fully. Even Jesus, the man, the God of miracles said to him, now, can you see? In the previous time, Jesus did a miracle. He knew everything was done and dusted, 110%. But Jesus said, can you see? And the man said, yeah, I can see people like trees. <laughs> so Jesus prayed again. You see, although Jesus took this man out of the town of unbelief, Jesus still had to remove all the town within him. <laughs> so you can, you can walk out of a place of unbelief but there can be so much unbelief in your heart 
that Jesus still needs to help you from a place where you grow out of that unbelief into a place where your faith is so activated that there is faith in your life to see that miracle. See, Jesus helped this man with his unbelief until the healing was complete. And that's exactly why sometimes when we pray for people, we pray a second time and a third time and a fourth time. I, did, I prayed for some people. I prayed for, for people with deaf ears. And I remember I prayed for a lady one day. She, she, she was deaf in her one ear. And I started praying for her. And the first prayer, she could hear a ticking sound. But she knew something happened. And so I didn't just leave her there. Yeah, God did a miracle. Maybe it's his will for you to just be healed 10%. That's ridiculous. So I prayed again until the belief in her heart started ticking and something started happening. And by the fourth time I prayed, she could hear perfect. You see, Jesus did the same thing. He wanted to, to drop something in that man's spirit that day. But Jesus helped this man with his unbelief, but he did something else. He also wanted to teach his disciples something. Not just his disciples. He wanted to show us, as we're reading this word, he wanted to show us something about our eyes that need to open spiritually. Now he wanted his disciples to actually open their eyes. Now if you go, if you go to the beginning of the book, and you can go there quickly, we go to Mark, Mark 8 verse 1, and now I'm going to go through the story of their day. Because I want to show you what happened that day with Jesus and the disciples. So the day started out, Jesus fed 4,000 people with eight loaves or seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. This was the second time Jesus did that. The first time with five loaves and two fishes. Or two fish and five loaves. I never remember. This all messes me up. But, but this was the second time. And Jesus fed 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few small fishes. And seven baskets were left over. Man, if that don't stir your faith, I don't know. You know and, and do you know that the miracle that happened with that feeding of the five and the four thousand? Jesus blessed the food. Guess who gave the food to the people? The disciples. So the disciples took the little bread, and he was breaking the bread, and he was giving the bread to the people. He realized, oh my goodness, this bread is not finishing. And he just breaks this bread. So the miracle was happening in the disciples' hands. Talk about activating your faith right there. So that happened. That's how their day started. So when their day, when that finished, immediately after that, they got into the boat. And they arrived at their destination. And guess who waited for them on the shore? The old Pharisees. The old Pharisees were waiting for them. And they challenged Jesus' authority immediately. And we, we can read that in Mark 8, verse 11 to 12. So go to verse 11 to 12 quickly. It says the following. It says, testing him, this is now the Pharisees, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. I mean, just how ridiculous is that? Now, we want you to prove your authority, do a sign. Well, I just fed 4,000, and, and the week before, 5,000, and I just called Lazarus out of the grave a few days ago. I mean, so I do another one for you. So look what Jesus did. So when he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit. So in his spirit, he went, <sighs> he sighed deeply and he said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, I will not give this generation such a sign. This is Jesus. 
See, Jesus said, from a religious perspective, I will not give you a sign. But if you follow me, you'll see some stuff. So then they got back into the boat and Jesus turned to, turned to the disciples and we read in verse 15, Mark 8 verse 15. He said, as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them. So he looked at his disciples and he said, watch out, beware of the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And this they began to argue with each other because they, they hadn't brought any bread. <laughs> Jesus knew that what they were saying, so he said to them, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? I think Jesus went like this. Like, serious? Really? Why do you argue about bread? I just fed 4,000 people. You had seven baskets left. Now you're arguing about bread. And you're speaking to the multiplier. Then he said, and this is what I want you to see today. He said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Then he said, are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? If I were a disciple in that moment, I would thought, what are you talking about? But see, Jesus was talking in the Spirit. You say, listen, man, where were you? I was doing all these miracles. I was activating. The miracle happened in your hand. And still you can't see the spiritual truth here in this moment. See, Jesus said to them, why do you argue over things I can multiply? <laughs> I just multiply a few bread there on the other side of the shore. But see, if you can see it, your hearts are still, if you can't see it, your hearts are still hard, are still too hard to take in what, what you have just been witnessing. You see, Jesus actually said to them, your eyes need to be opened. If you are still not seeing in the Spirit and seeing what you need to see, your hearts are still too hard. But then they came to Bethsaida. Just after that conversation, and there they met the blind man. And Jesus was ready to help his disciples understand. So he took the man by the hand. He led him outside to unbelief. He washed him with his presence. And the man couldn't see. And I think in that moment when they couldn't see, he looked at his disciples. And then he healed the man. You see, so let's ask the question again. Why didn't this man's eyes open the first time? Yes, Jesus helped this man with his unbelief and he was patient with the unbelief, but why? Maybe Jesus wanted to show his disciples that their spiritual eyes needed to be fully opened. Fully opened. See, they believed, but they still didn't fully see what was the truth. They didn't realize who Jesus was in the spirit. They were looking at the natural, yay, miracle upon miracle, it's amazing, but they didn't really see who Jesus was in the Spirit. Maybe Jesus used this moment to show us that we can be saved. Yes, we can sit in church, but our spiritual eyes cannot be fully opened. This was a shock to me when I realized it. 
And I can be sitting in church, I can do worship, and I can love, and I can be in cell group, and I can do this, but my spiritual eyes, my understanding of the power and authority in the Spirit, I don't fully get. And he wanted the disciples to get this. See, that's why people can sit in church today. They can listen to a life-changing message. They can be in life-changing worship. They can be, I mean, it can be amazing. And some can be touched. And others will receive nothing. I had that before. I was in amazing church services where the power of God fell and people around me received and I sat there and I was like, why am I not feeling anything? I know I'm not the only one. But see, sometimes our eyes need to be fully opened. Our eyes need to be fully, because my heart was hardened in some areas in my life. I didn't open my heart to the fullness of God. That's why Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit when the Pharisees came to him. And they asked him to do another miracle when they starting, when they stared at the Son of God. I mean, how ridiculous is that? You look at the Son of God and say, I demand a miracle now to prove your authority. <laughs> it's like, man, you, know, you don't see. Your eyes are still closed. You have no idea what you see today. And his disciples was halfway there, but they still didn't see. You see, so many of us, just like the disciples, need our spiritual eyes to be opened so that we can see the possible when the world around us is stuck at the impossible. Come on. You see, we look at ESCOM today and we look at the impossible situation, but God says everything in Him is possible. So when I start speaking life over my power situation, then God starts changing my heart when the power goes off. Come on, let's just be real this morning. Come on. See, we cannot afford to have a hard heart. We cannot afford our hearts to be hardened for then our eyes will not be able to see what God wants us to see in the Spirit. Am I talking to someone here today? Come on, we need our spiritual eyes to open. Sometimes we hold on to offense and things happen in our lives and we get challenged and we get sick and things happen in our lives and our heart becomes hardened towards God because of God. Lord, where are you now? Where are you now when I need you the most? When I'm suffering... And when I don't know where the breakthrough is coming or when this is going to happen, we cannot afford our hearts to be hardened. But Lord, there's no bread in this boat. What are we going to do now? Your eyes are still closed. You're talking to the multiplier. Come on. See, that's why we need, serious, we need to be serious about forgiveness in our lives. We can't let that go. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, sort it out. Because you can't afford to be having a hard heart. We can't afford to walk around with offense in our hearts. Because we need our spiritual eyes to be open and to see what God wants us to see. To walk in that authority that God has given us in our lives. We need to guard our hearts. Because it's got, well, what does the scripture say? Guard your heart with all diligence. Because it's got the essence of life. Not the essence of life, but you get the, un the, the understanding. The what? Yeah. So let's finish the chapter. Are you ready? Guess what happened to the disciples right after this moment? Jesus was intentional. What did his intentionality do? So just after this blind man was healed, Jesus walked further with his disciples. 
And I could just see them walking on the road. And Jesus turned to his disciples and he asked them a question. And we go to verse 27, Mark 8. Go to the end of the chapter, right after the miracle. Verse 27, it says, As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? I love this scripture. <laughs> Jesus turning to his disciples. Now they're having a private moment here. He's turning to them and said, Who do people say I am? Now listen to their reply. Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are the one, or one of the other, one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? <laughs> Let's get personal. Who do you say I am? Man, and then our man Peter comes. Peter replied, he said, You are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about this. You see, after that miracle moment, Peter got it. Peter got it. In that moment when he saw the man's blind eyes didn't open, he realized that maybe my eyes are not open yet. Maybe I need to open my spiritual eyes and see who I'm walking with, who I'm praying with, who I'm seeing really who's doing all these miracles. You see, as Jesus led this man and washed him with his presence, not only his eyes opened, but also those of Peter. His eyes opened. I hope this drops in your heart today. You see, because Jesus is taking you by the hand today. He's taking you by the hand. He's leading you to a place where He's washing out all the unbelief and bringing you into a place of His presence. And in that place of His presence, man, there's a miracle. Our eyes start opening to the truth around us. We start seeing fearful moments, but the fear doesn't impact us. Because my eyes is open. You walk into a sickness, a moment of sickness, and the world says, impossible. I said, well, my eyes is open. I serve a God of the possible. All things are possible. You see, there's no impossibilities before my God because He's leading me by His hand. He's washing me in His spirit and He's doing miracles in my life. He's opening my heart. I want to pray for us today. Is that right? Can we stand together? I want to pray for some individuals here that feel that your hearts are hardened. Maybe you're here then you feel that, oh man, my heart has really grown hard in the last time because of sin in my life. Or maybe there's guilt. Maybe there's disgrace. Maybe there's failure in my life. Maybe there's stuff in my life that nobody knows about. But it's hardening my heart. It's pulling me away from Christ and what He has done for me. I want to pray for you that Jesus take you by the hand this morning and wash you with His Spirit. I want to pray for, for some people here today that feel that your eyes are not fully opened. And there's nothing wrong with that to say, Lord, I realize my eyes are not fully open. I need to open my eyes fully in my life. I need to. Maybe you're here today and maybe you say, Lord, I want to start to see the possibilities in my life. Lord, I want you to unlock this thing in my life. I want you to unlock it as, well, as, as we walk in the Spirit. 
And Lord, help me not to walk in the spirit, but walk in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. I need my eyes to be opened. You see, as Christian believers, we cannot afford anymore to live a life with blind eyes and hardened hearts. We need our hearts to be opened. We need our hearts to be opened. We need to see the impossible becoming possible. We need to see the miraculous in every area of our lives. As we act and we go to that pool and we act upon, on, upon the faith that God activated in our hearts, the miracle is stored up in my life, in your life. God is busy doing something. And maybe some of you here this morning, you're saying, sure, Lord, I've been facing so much in my life. I'm struggling with a hard heart. I'm struggling to trust you because there was moments that I was really discouraged when you didn't pick up, when you didn't come, when I truly trusted you to come. Maybe there's moments that I haven't had food and I really trusted you to supply all my needs, but there was nothing. But I know that God is taking you by the hand today and He's leading you into that place of His presence where He's going to touch you and you will see. So if that's any one of you here this morning, why don't you just put your hand on your heart. Let's just be honest with God today. Say, Lord, I want to see more of you. I want to experience more of you. I want to come to a place where I know you more intimately. I'm not just religiously going to church and and cell group or wherever I go to, Father, where I will experience an intimate relationship with you on a daily basis when I read my Bible, when I pray in my car alone or in my office or wherever I'm at, that I know you are with me and that I will start seeing in the Spirit and know that you are the God of the impossible. So Lord, I pray for every heart here this morning, every heart that is longing for more of you, Longing for more of you, Lord. Longing for that miracle. And Lord, some, maybe some of us are standing here with mud on our faces because you made mud. We want to declare this morning that we trust you, Father. That when you wash us, that we will walk into our miracle. We will see more of you, Father. As you're standing here this morning, maybe you've got your hand on your heart and all our eyes closed, why don't you just thank Him? Thank Him for what He has been doing in your life and maybe thank Him for what He is about to do, what you trust Him to do in your life. Maybe just whisper to Him this morning, say, thank you, Father, for your breakthrough. Thank you, Father, for your presence in my life. Thank you, Father, for more, more of you, Father. I need more of you, Father. And when I walk into your presence, it's not like biblical times where I'm unclean or have to be separate from people for a day. No, no, Lord, I come close to you because I know you are close to me because you're holding my hand you are leading me through everything in my life. 
Lord, I pray for answers this morning. Some of you here this morning that you have answers. Or you've got questions and you need answers. I feel that God's going to give you the answers that, you, that you're praying for. As soon as you open your heart and as soon as you soften your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, more of you. Our eyes will go open and our ears will go open and we will start seeing and hearing more of Him. More of Him. So Father, will you come and touch us this morning? May this word drop in our hearts. May this seed cultivate in our hearts. May this not just be a word that we hear and we forget tomorrow. But may we listen and may it be a seed in our hearts that bear fruit. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.